0: You're listening to Surfer vs. Planet, a Wave Changer podcast hosted by me, Tom Wilson. Each episode features inspiring talks from the creative space where surfing and sustainability meet. I'll be talking to surfers, designers, industry experts and original thinkers, highlighting some of the fascinating work going on here in Australia and around the world with the aim of creating a greener, cleaner and more responsible surfing industry. Wave Changer is a program of Surfers for Climate, and you can learn more about our work at wavechanger.org and surfaceforclimate.org.au. The whole team at Wavechanger and Surface for Climate acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present, and emerging. Today I'm chatting with Veena Sahajwala, Inventor and Professor of Materials Science in the Faculty of Science at the University of New South Wales here in Australia. She's the Director of the UNSW Smart Centre for Sustainable Materials Research and Technology and holds roles with the Australian Research Council and the Climate Council. Veena was born in Mumbai, India. She studied for her master's degree in Vancouver in Canada before settling here in Australia. Veen has been awarded with countless honours for design and innovation and in 2022 was the winner of the New South Wales Australian of the Year. Her expert areas of study range from creating green steel, green ceramics, building and developing e-waste microfactories and a whole host of super fascinating developments in material science.
1: First of all, congratulations on your award as the New South Wales Australian of the Year. Um, How does that feel?
2: Oh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for um your kind words and thanks for having me on, on Wave Changes. Uh I, I suppose to me the, the thing I love about about Australia is that I can have this conversation around what I'm really passionate about, um, which is around waste and recycling and and talk about all kinds of things, how we value our environment and how we how we in Australia think that we can all collectively um do so much together. And um so I guess in that regard uh, this whole recognition around the work that uh, we do at Smart Centre at UNSW um, is really a recognition for for all Australians, including those at UNSW, who really treasure our environment and and want to do the right thing, want to find innovative solutions, um, and and I think to me the only way we can really Address some of these major global challenges around, around waste and recycling is by looking at all kinds of industries that can collaborate and work together. So I think to me, what you guys are doing at Wave Changes is is a pretty cool way to actually bring some of our, our science of materials and recycling uh, and, and really to think about what kind of innovations we could all develop together. So where science meets practice. And, and I guess ultimately your community of, uh, people who love surfing, uh, you know, I'm sure the people who love going out surfing, um, you know, want to make sure that we are doing the right thing so we don't end up polluting, um, our water, our, our land, our air. And I guess to me in that regard, the, the work around, uh, protecting, preserving our environment comes very much fundamentally from acknowledging that, uh, modern Day materials, they're really useful, valuable, uh, whether it's in sport, uh, or, or indeed, um, you know, health, uh, and, and all kinds of electronic devices. But I think to me, that's really the whole point about acknowledging that, you know, life is. Um, you know, meant to be a complex intersection of all of the above. Um, and I think the only way we can address some of these complex challenges are really by working together and supporting each other. So I'm uh, super delighted to be chatting to you uh, today, Tom.
1: Great. Thank you. Um, I love all that. Um, it's exactly the same page that we're kind of reading from. And I, I think what you're doing is a great example of technology helping the planet where a lot of technologies might be um, perhaps coming up with one solution but creating another problem, whereas what you're doing is, you know, there's a a small number of robots and they can be taking hundreds, thousands, millions of devices and reusing all those um, very important materials that aren't going to last forever. So, yeah, I I congratulate what you're doing. I think it's really exciting. but the first question I wanted to ask you was, how important is the design stage of any product? Um, because one of our ideas discussed at Wave Changer is the idea of a, a surfboard having a disposal plan, which is perhaps a set of instructions for the user on how to dispose, recycle, or return to the manufacturer for them to use those uh, important materials. So with the design stage in mind,
2: what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, good question, Tom, because I think to me um, you're absolutely right. I mean, everything has to start right up front so that we're planning for the entire life of the product, including what happens at the end of life of a lot of these kinds of products, which are, of course, complex, right? So when you've got um, two materials coming together, you know, so you might have, um, you know, a solid, um, you know, fibre in there, like glass fibre, and you might have, um, you know, polymer matrix, um, so you know, I mean, products like that that are typically composites are always going to be difficult to um to recycle um at the end of its life. But to be able to kind of ask that question up front around um, and really I would probably challenge um the traditional materials that go into making these boards, um, and to be able to really ask the question that if um we have not really been able to deal with what the end-of-life solutions could look like for these complex polymers in the current way, you've got to think very differently and you've got to shift that mindset that says, uh, look, I'll just do my bit where I'll just kind of drop it off with the manufacturer or with the retailer and I'll let them worry about it and it's somebody else's problem because I've done my bit. And I guess really what I'm calling out for and saying, it's not just somebody else's, um, you know, problem to look after. If we as consumers have used a product, we need to actually be fully involved in the entire life cycle of a particular product. So it's not enough to just say, well, I'm just going to drop it off somewhere and let someone else worry about it or take it away. Uh, there is no such thing as away on this planet. <laughs> and um, And I guess to me, that's really the whole sort of point of, I think, ultimately, collaborative efforts where we need to be able to ask uh, manufacturers as to what are they planning on doing. And if they don't have those solutions where they can convince you uh, that this is certainly something that's not going to end up in landfill, um, then you really need to, to dig deep and ask further questions. So I think to me, it's about thinking even if you were designing it correctly at the start and you feel you've designed it correctly um you know who is ultimately going to be responsible for deconstruction and disassembly and ultimately what we like to call it smart center recycling and reforming so so it's not just about saying look i've recycled it i mean is it going to come back to life as another board you know like for like conversion or is it going to come back to life in a whole new form which means it's going to be reformed into into a brand new product. So really when we talk about ultimately bringing products to life in a new form so it doesn't end up polluting our environment and doesn't end up in landfills is to ask, well, if it doesn't go back to life in that same form, the like-to-like conversion, um, how is my retailer or manufacturer connecting with other manufacturers to actually divert that material into other forms of manufactured products? So that's where reforming comes in. And so you have to actually create, um, you know, this ecosystem. What I would like to think is that it's that materials supply network. And, and are you as a user of a product prepared to pay for what it might cost ultimately to make sure that it does get recycled and reformed into a brand new manufactured product? Because not everything will lend itself to like for like conversion. And so this is why, I guess, thinking about the fact that this has got to be a network and a collective of, you know, retailers, manufacturers, users playing a part. So if if you can imagine, you know, taking some of these and putting it into a new production capacity uh, that we may have in Australia, but we've not thought about it because we've only considered that the world revolves around, you know, creating new surfboards. But what if we could create a completely new product out of it? You know, how would you start to look at that? And so this is where, of course, what we do at Smart Center is to be able to create a laterally integrated system that says that your particular end of life product may well be a useful feedstock for another manufacturer to make another product. But you can't just sort of leave it up to that other manufacturer and say, look, I'm going to just drop it off at your doorstep and it's your problem now. Um, it, it can't work like that. It's got to be a collective responsibility. And so, what we really want is imagine a future where, you know, if we are exploring multiple pathways to how these products can come to life, I would probably say that for wave changes, it's about participating in programs like our national environmental science program. So we collectively say, hey, you know what? There are all these uh, potential small businesses, large operators of various manufacturing businesses. How do we see this product? becoming a useful material for somebody else. But that means you need to understand what the materials are. You need to know what the polymer is, uh, what is the reinforcing uh, material that's been used in there, um, you know, uh, are there glass fibres in there, for instance. So all of these are examples of knowing what the materials are. Therefore, it's not seen as a waste, but rather seen as a as a material resource. Once you know what that material resource is, that next step of, understanding that research in its transformation journey allows it to become a useful input material for manufacturing. But then there could be multiple pathways and you don't know which one's going to work out. So again, that research allows you to collaborate and work through various uh, national environmental science opportunities. And one of the things we are leading um, at UNSW uh, with the support of the Department, Federal Department of Environment, is how do we actually take all kinds of materials that are there um, and products that we as consumers use but don't know what to do with it but how do you work with your local government your local councils and put that as part of potential opportunity for creating new solutions so I'd say you know we need local governments we need retailers manufacturers everyone to come on board because even though I've never served before I know how expensive those boards can be
1: (laughs) yeah uh the the cost and also just the the sheer size of them um you know we're not recycling a a, a plastic bread tag or a a bottle lid they're, they're they're huge and if there's you know if the numbers are right that there's about half a million to a million new surfboards made every year wow. that's a big pile of surfboards um but i agree that there's a lot of things at play and it's not just a, an easy you know one person or one organisation has the answer, it is. That idea of collaboration is really interesting. And I think going forward, if we don't collaborate, it's gonna slow everything down. Um, But with that in mind, do you think consumers need incentives, perhaps a financial incentive to improve their relationship with the recycling system? So for example, with surfboards, and this could be any item, a, a mobile phone, you return it to the manufacturer, say Apple for an iPhone, and they might give you a hundred dollars cash back or a hundred and fifty off a new phone. Do you think incentives um, are the way forward to improve those levers getting pulled?
2: Yeah, look, I think I think to me, incentives is only one part of it. And I'm sure, you know, the amount um, you know, um, surface pay for this product is uh, is it's not a cheap product. So I think to me there's already a high cost associated with you know, the kinds of materials that go into making it. Um, so I would probably say that, you know, part of this should be also around, um, you know, creating uh, perhaps collectively um, as users um, a network um, that allows you to then say, look, here we are, we are a network and and we're going to kind of take, um, I would say, a call to action in this particular case to be able to drive some of these things. Because again, I think to me, it's not enough to say, look, somebody, please give me $100. That's enough incentive and I'm going to bring it right back to you. Because uh, again, it's the same problem. What if the person who takes it back doesn't really do what you want to see happen in terms of end of life, um, you know, recycling and reforming. So I think to me, it's that collective responsibility, but also to be able to drive that as, as a group of, of people and surfers who are passionate about the environment and, and want to make sure that, you know, your boards are as you would, you know, tested, uh, materials are evaluated, you know, collectively, um, see that you can actually, um, get some information on the kinds of materials that go into making it. So I would probably say it's, it's more than just about getting an incentive scheme put in place. I think it's about being proactive in in seeking knowledge around that material science piece that says what goes into making it, um, what are alternatives um, that potentially could be explored. Um, and, you know, potentially with the existing uh, boards, you know, as as you were saying earlier, if we're talking about, you know, uh, half to one million boards um, being sold every year, I mean, there's surely enough uh, coming back into, into disposal at the other end. So surely setting up uh, in major cities collection points where you can then invest in processing um, those materials uh, with the view to making sure that it becomes a valuable input material for another manufacturer. I, I think there is something to be said about the power of collective and in this particular case, the power of collective to achieve the right outcomes so that those materials, as complex as they are, that they then ultimately are analysed properly. Um, And yes, if you're not going to put it back into manufacturing new boards, um, then what is the state of some of those materials that have gone into um, the board itself? And how is that material um, degraded over its lifetime? Uh, And if the material has degraded, well, let's try and understand what that might look like. So there is some... Amount of scientific endeavor that needs to go behind it. And I think to me, I'm sure surfers appreciate there is a lot of science and engineering and technology that goes into, you know, getting that perfect board and getting that technique right and, and working with the waves and really kind of, you know, addressing a lot of what you know, uh, from from a normal engineer's perspective, and I admire and look at how awesome it looks uh, to see someone doing such a fabulous job at the at this at you know the waves and and maneuvering it. I, I like to think of this as sport um, meeting science and engineering, and I can imagine that you know we can bring more of that science and engineering way of thinking um, into those products. So mm. I think to me, an important outcome. Would be to be able to say let's analyse the materials, let's understand. Therefore, um, how useful it can be to somebody else. I've got a few ideas up my sleeve, but that might be for another time. Um, and and I think to me that's that's really where it will enable that collective to say let's start with uh, one local um, place. And you know you might pick a local area uh, where you feel that um, you know you've got enough capacity and interest to drive some of that and then we can start with various sort of potentially microfactory-based solutions. So our microfactories are really modular in nature and these microfactory solutions will enable um, that product um, to be actually treated in a way that it is a valuable resource. Uh, How do you process it? What are the microfactory modules that are needed but with what purpose in mind? So it's not just about saying, look, I've collected it, um, here's a microfactory module, and I'm going to wave the magic wand, and it'll all be solved. Um, it's never going to work like that. It's about that ability to say, therefore, if I were to process these materials, you know, what can I actually do in a microfactory setting, and what are potentially some of the um, end markets? But then also be prepared to, you know, pay for that service. So I would say it's it's you know the conversation has to be around if you've got industrial operators who are prepared to take the boards and have a completely open and transparent system. It doesn't have to be the retailer and the manufacturer who made it in the first place because they may not know what to do with it. But there might be another manufacturer who's looking at this um, as an opportunity to do something really creative. So you might bring along a manufacturer. I mean, we've got a manufacturing partner, uh, a technological partner called Can Do Technologies. And, um, you know, our manufacturing partner there is, um, you know, super interested in all kinds of uh, you know, waste materials, which he processes in his microfactory, which is uh, in partnership with us. So there you could bring in waste glass, waste textiles. So I can imagine this could well be another example of a product where as a result of, you know, what what Andrew can do at his microfactory, that would be picking up on opportunities being developed at the smart center. Um, Andrew, of course, trialing some of these materials, but the first step is really to be able to address a lot of the practical challenges that we've talked about. Yes, it's a massive product. Um, but also it means that it requires us to be able to have it deconstructed so that at the end of its life, various parts of it can indeed come apart. So it comes back to the design question. Can we have it deconstructed so that it, it is manufactured first and foremost in a way that it's designed to be deconstructed so that various parts of it can be actually, you know, hopefully put back into recycling and reforming. And so really you're kind of keeping that end in mind and saying, okay, why does it need to be designed in a certain way? Can I have various materials? But by deconstructing it, you're also giving yourself the opportunity to think about, all the different potential opportunities for different kinds of materials that can go into it. Like I would actually ask the question, can it be a beautifully designed mesh structure? You know, why does it have to be one solid piece? Can it be a mesh structure? And the kinds of mesh and the materials that are going to making it uh, could well come from waste in the first place. So a lot of our waste resources like waste glass, can we actually bring that together which is exactly why I was thinking about someone like Andrew in his microfactory, can we actually create this uh, from green ceramics as an example? And so the ability to think that green ceramics could well be making different kinds of parts and components uh, could be something that we could work with um, a different manufacturer um, who then could actually bring in, uh, our microfactory solutions into the mix. And so I think to me it's about closing the loop by actually working with someone who's already working with a whole range of end-of-life materials like waste glass for manufacturing different kinds of green ceramic products, but bringing that back into manufacturing, uh, for example, uh, various parts in a board. Um, and I can tell you um, that someone like Andrew would love to work on a project like that. Because I I think he has a go at being in the water every morning. I understand, uh, but look, hey, I don't I don't know his lifestyle. I I just kind of know that he lives pretty close to the water.
1: <laughs> well, maybe there's a maybe there's a project there that we talk about later. Because uh, there's there's a lot of overlaps here with what you're saying. Because I I think what you're saying about designing it so that it's easy to pick apart is very important. And with surfboards, there's a a petroleum based foam in the middle and then there's a, a timber stringer through the middle um through the central core and uh, there is a fin box a plastic fin box for the fins a fin plug there is a, a resin over the top polyester or epoxy with fiberglass set within it so to pick apart the resin and take out the uh, fiberglass you might need some sort of like acetone or some sort of chemical to remove it. And then it's very kind of difficult. The EPS foam uh is beads. So it's all you break a board in half and the beads kind of fly everywhere. So it is a bit of a recycling nightmare. But the idea of it being somewhat modular in its design, um, I think is a really good idea. And also the third party waste recovery part of the story is really interesting too. Maybe maybe utilizing those um waste recovery centers where you know you can go to the rubbish tip but there's also a little area where they they i know there's kim brickie here near where i am in sydney uh, which is like an eco tip and they will take certain e-waste and do stuff with it not to the level that you're doing but um but i think there's a there's an opportunity here with especially in australia where there must be one of the highest concentrations of surfboards there's so many of them here it could be an example that we set to the world of, hey, you know, we've got a product a product here that is very common and we're doing something useful with it. So everything that you said there, I was just thinking in a surfboard context, and I think that there's there's a lot of opportunities. Um but the the traditional modern surfboard, as I just said, is kind of petroleum-based, but there's a lot of um uh, development R&D and there's a growing movement back into natural materials such as timber but also foam replacements uh, such as mycelium and algae um, so what are your thoughts on plant-based materials from renewable resources in a place in the future when perhaps a lot of the um, non-renewables or the e-waste have been recycled to their maximum do you think there's a place for plant-based materials to go in?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, uh, Tom, I guess, I mean, the question, of course, comes back to the overall sort of life of these materials and how they are going to perform in service, right? Because I think the whole reason why why surfboards are made out of these complex array of petroleum-based resources, if you acknowledge the fact that there is a performance side to it as well. So what we're really talking about here is that and when you're looking at many other alternatives, uh, whether they are, you know, um, ceramic based or plant based, I think in all of these cases, um, and it's not that you can't get ceramics, uh, from, from waste resources or from natural materials. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ceramics, as you can imagine, um, associated with water, shells, uh, <laughs> shells are all ceramic. Um, so, you know, you start to kind of make a list of all the materials that are available to us in the way we look at our ability to create this uh, green ceramic product. And I'll uh, probably hold up an example of a green ceramic product if you can see this on on camera. But these are examples of green ceramics where we've incorporated things like waste glass and um, a whole range of waste textiles. Um, And and the idea around different kinds of use of different kinds of textiles and glass and um, so on is to be able to achieve those different properties, those different performance um, you know, outcomes that you're looking for. And you're looking for creation of a particular shape as well. So I think to me in all of this, when we talk about performance, it does come back to the fact that your materials that go into it have to actually, um, you know, perform under some pretty tough conditions. Uh, and so I think to me, it's not just about saying, here's an alternative, here's a plant-based material, um, therefore I'm good to go. Uh, you know, what if this thing now doesn't do the job it's meant to do? So yeah. I think to me in all of these cases, it's about, you know, ultimately prototyping all the things. And this is why at our microfactory at um, at UNSW, that's exactly what we do. Uh, we, we create all kinds of prototypes um, and green ceramics that I was just talking about is one example. Uh, we've got all kinds of waste resources that we use. Um, but the benefit in this is that if you want to bring in a combination of different types of ceramics and you want to bring in different kinds of, uh, you know, resins that you have been talking about, um, you have to, of course, know what those sources of materials are and whether those can actually be sourced from, uh, you know, what is already a waste resource that is piling up in our environment and whether these products can ultimately be manufactured with waste with the view that they are constantly coming back into that materials recycling and reforming. Strategy. So when I talk about reforming, um, think of it this way: this this green ceramic tile used to be a pile of waste glass and clothes, right? So the fact that it's now been reformed in this manner, um, and all kinds of products have been created, it allows us to actually open up our minds and say, look, if I'm if I'm a self and I want to be able to customize something to suit my requirements can I actually go and get this manufactured um, in a way that I like to see it being manufactured, customise it with the kinds of materials, uh, with the design that I want it to have? What that then means is that the ability to actually bring in innovative manufacturers to the table uh, who are prepared to incorporate waste resources uh, into production. So there is, again, that collective of saying, Hey, look, I don't want to necessarily just go after, you know, um petroleum-based materials. I want to be able to bring in manufacturers who are prepared to trial the kinds of materials that I believe. Um, I'd like to try. And so ultimately working with the manufacturer, uh, and that's why I use the example of our microfactory um operator with with uh, someone like Andrew at in uh, uh in, in Kandoui Technologies to be able to say, look, okay, here's a guy who's prepared to give it a go. He is somebody who may well uh decide that look um getting input of a of a user is going to be an important way to develop something together. Um, the science of course comes from Smart Center. Various kind of prototypes that we will develop will be around all you know creating different uh you know products where we've simulated this um on a smaller scale and the idea then becomes that for a user to be able to feel comfortable with the look and the feel and what the product might look like before you scale it up and create um, the larger model um, for for trialing. So I would say that that's really the exciting part about doing something locally in Australia. I mean, to your point about, you know, we want to show to the rest of the world that, you know, we're good at the sport, um, but hey, you know what? We also are good at developing materials and products um, that come from recycled content. So it is about taking the whole picture is it waste resources like waste glass? Is it, you know, renewable materials like plant and seashells and all kinds of other materials that are at our, you know, in our hands? How do we actually bring it all together? And if this means that you need a different core, I would probably say, oh, my goodness, why would you use um, polystyrene beads? Um, that's just absolutely the worst uh, offender when it comes to producing things like microplastics. Um so I think I, I bring up the example of microplastics because I think to me that's directly connected to your sport and the mm-hmm. fact that um these materials, if a board does fall apart, as you were saying, it goes everywhere. And once it gets carried away into air, it'll end up in our waterways. So I think to me, just knowing the downstream consequences of your material, it's not just what it did inside a board, but it's saying, no, you know what, we simply don't think this is such a good idea because of the downstream consequences. But to that point, this is why I say, what are the alternatives? Mm. That's why when I was asking question around, you know, what what's the purpose of doing that? If you want to be able to have a different structure, um, can we design a structure that then allows us to create, um, you know, whatever outcomes you want in terms of the properties of of that um, um, polystyrene. Um, you know alternatives. Well, what could that look like? And can we not do that with some of the other alternative uh, materials? And when you talk about natural materials, that's why I was saying that with waste textiles um, as an example. Uh, there are many, many materials that are both synthetic and natural, as you can imagine, that go into making. Textiles, then when you look at things like glass, or when you look at seashells and plant matter. So the fact that your board has got a collection of different kinds of materials in it, that tells me that it's designed to achieve a certain purpose and an outcome and a certain performance. So now when I put on my engineer's hat, I'm basically saying, look, if you want to achieve a certain performance, um, you know, we would love to collaborate with wave changers to be able to say, you know, can we actually you know work with you guys and and come up with all these um potentially prototyped solutions that then means that um you know we can we can trial many many different kinds of materials um so that we can balance um the outcomes both in terms of materials uh but performance of the product uh and ultimately see end user um who has to feel that this is this is the right kind of product for what they want to see in a board. So I think to me, um, you know, it's it's a journey of, of partnership, which is kind of really what we've been talking about here of collaboration. But the most important part that we could achieve in all of this is, you know, surfers who want to do the right thing, uh, we want to be able to help bring material science and engineering and technology from looking at uh, minimizing the impact of, of our materials like uh, polymers on on our environment. So how do you actually make that happen? Is by not just saying, well, you know, if I just pick this alternative, it'll be fine. It's actually, you know, looking at a whole range of options and saying, if I've got, if you're going to go down the path of redesign and kind of going to the drawing board, you need to put all options on the table. And so you can then work with different kinds of opportunities or materials. And And I guess to me, that's the point. You know, even if a board falls apart, ultimately, if it doesn't lead to subsequent harm to the environment, you fully expect the board's going to fall apart, doesn't lead to harm first and foremost is the first question I'd be asking. So I guess this is why when we talk about, you know, petroleum based materials, we're all concerned as, as I'm sure you and other surface eyes, you know, how do we make sure that we're not reliant on, you know, plastic based materials that um, cause harm to the environment? So I think it's questioning all of that. Um, but really being prepared for the fact that these products are complex complex um, collection of different materials. So it would be lovely to explore that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that, um, so many thoughts going through my head there. Um, <laughs> somebody online the other day made a comment, um, which was it was a discussion about design, and they said, we should always ask, ask ourselves what could possibly go wrong. Um, so what you were just saying there about, you know, if the board breaks down in the ocean, and it will, it's not, it's not you know, this solid unit that never gets affected by uh, dings, pressure dings, and, you know, boards colliding, whatever, hitting rocks. Um, what could go wrong? And at the moment, what does go wrong is the boards split open and um, those polystyrene beads... Uh, are out in the open um and bits of resin and we even you know you even talk about surf wax on a board which people put on their board for grip. that comes off as well and that's going to affect marine life and reefs and you know that's a a paraffin based material so there's there's so many things to think about but um I'm, i'm just sort of conscious of your your time here so um I feel like I could talk to you all day about this sort of thing because I just want to—I just want to ask you so many questions. Um, but I, I really, really appreciate your time, Vina, um, and I think what you're doing is incredible. Um, and I hope that you are influencing the rest of the world, and I hope you get the attention. You and UNSW get the attention you deserve, so that other people can implement the same technologies.
2: And ideas thank you so much Tom really appreciate all your kind words and um, you know I feel motivated and encouraged when I hear you know um, kind words from people like yourselves because I think to me the whole reason why we do this work is to be able to show that science um, and and looking at how we bring science into practical real world outcomes is what we need to do um, and collaboration and working with people like yourselves is, you know, is the motivation because, um, you know, if we develop new solutions, we, we of course want to make sure that ultimately it is fit for purpose. And Mm -hmm. and that to me is the key question here is around how do we all work together to design and develop products um, that are fit for purpose and, and ultimately for Australia uh, to take on a global leadership in, in this space Um, would be pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not a surfer, I'd love to be riding the wave with you guys.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to support our work at Wave Changer, head over to our website at wavechanger.org. And we hope you'll consider buying a membership for our Wave Changer Club, which features giveaways, entries into our monthly draw with amazing prizes and access to a bunch of great discounts from our partner brands. Your support allows us to expand our impact and make an even bigger difference to safeguarding our planet. See you next time.